So John chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will also be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourselves to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will, go, we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I, live with you, I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Now, I'm going to lead us in a time. Um, I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to come to think about God's word. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit, uh, that your spirit um, gives us understanding and gives us conviction and your spirit strengthens us. We pray that uh, for the work of your spirit in our minds and our hearts now as we come to consider this passage from scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a few years back, <clears throat> I had a Christian friend who was uh, due to appear in court here in Port Macquarie. Uh, this guy lived out of town in a, another nearby uh, town, and uh, it was just a civil court, an insurance claim. He'd had a big accident, and he was permanently injured. The insurance company was fighting uh, the claim. They didn't want to give him any money for it, and uh, so he was in court, and he was needing to sort that out. As you can imagine, the stakes were pretty high for him. But uh, because he didn't live in Port Macquarie and uh, for other reasons, he was actually going to be alone in court by himself. Now, of course, he had a lawyer, a lawyer who would represent him, a lawyer who would speak for him. But he wanted to have someone else alongside him, a friend, a, a Christian mate, someone who would pray with him, someone who would strengthen him. And uh, that sounded to me like a pretty wise thing. That's why he gave me a call and asked me if I would be that friend. 
So two people by his side, a lawyer, and because he was feeling so vulnerable, a Christian friend. He would find that to be helpful. And that's what I would want, wouldn't you? I wouldn't want to be in a court by myself. And it's also true in some other challenging areas of life. Um, perhaps you may have been through some difficult situations in the past where you know that um, you, you've, you've only been able to be able to endure it and, um, and go through it because you've had the support of some good friends. Um, people around you have supported you. Sometimes we might feel spiritually alone. Have you ever felt that? Well, as we uh, look at the second half of John 14 tonight, that's the issue we're going to explore because in this passage, the disciples of Jesus were facing the, the daunting pro, um, prospect of actually being spiritually alone. Now, why is that? Well, as we've looked at this passage over the last few weeks, we've seen that they have just celebrated the Passover meal and Jesus has told them that he's going to leave them and his departure is imminent. It's about to happen. How would they be feeling about that? Troubled? Afraid? Absolutely. And when you think about it, there's a couple of reasons why they would feel troubled and afraid. Um, first of all, because they loved Jesus. Uh, they had been with him for three years. They had been core to his ministry. They had uh, received his teaching. They had um, been with him when he uh, revealed himself miraculously. And now he was leaving them. Of course, their hearts would be troubled. Um, but how does Jesus want them to um, express their feeling? Because the, the issue was that they really loved Jesus. They didn't want him to go. How does Jesus want them to express their love for him? Well, not by grieving. Uh, in John chapter 14, the way that they should express their love for Jesus is by obeying what he taught. Uh, we see it three times in the passage, if you care to look at that. In verse 15, he says, if you love me, what does he say? Keep my commands. Um, verse 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them is the one who loves me. Uh, or in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Now, how do you express your love for Jesus? Um, I find it's something that's a, a bit emotional, actually. Um, when I reflect on who Jesus is and um, how sinful I am and that he died for me on the cross... I must admit there's times when I start to shed a tear or two, tears of joy and tears of just feeling grateful. But ultimately, our love for Jesus is expressed not just by our feelings or by our words, but in our obedience. Uh, in fact, if we don't obey Jesus as Lord, then it actually doesn't matter how we feel about him. Uh, you know, I could be um, overflowing with songs of praise for Jesus. Um, I could be uh, very deeply emotional about Jesus. 
Uh, I could be, you know, posting um, Bible verses on my Facebook or on Instagram every day, but if I'm actually not obeying Jesus, if I'm living an ungodly life, if I'm not repentant, then I'm actually not loving him. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it kind of spells it out very um, bluntly. Uh, it says, this is love for God, to obey his commands. Um, I remember on one occasion, my mother-in-law had been visiting us for a couple of weeks. And I was saying goodbye to her at the airport, and I wanted to express to her my gratitude for some good things that she had done for our children whilst she was with us. And I told her, thank you so much for everything that you've done. And she said to me, uh, if you want to thank me, then take care of my grandchildren. Look after them well. And there's a sense that that's quite wise, isn't it? Uh, if we're thankful, then we will express that by actions uh, in the same way that if we truly love Jesus we will obey his commands. Now, secondly, the departure of Jesus would be a cause for fear. Um, think about it. Jesus was their leader. Uh, he has been the one who has been up front, speaking to the world. Uh, he has been their strength. And remember what's going on in Jerusalem at the time. The religious leaders are now mounting their attack on Jesus. The opposition, the hostility to Jesus is reaching a climax and now he's going to leave his disciples. They will be alone. Alone to do God's work without the one who speaks for them, without the friend who strengthens them. But they're not going to be alone. Um, have a look in your Bibles at uh, verse 15 where Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And then he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Another advocate. Is that what your Bible say? What do your Bible say? Another counsellor. So these are the older versions of the NIVs and they say another counsellor. Has anyone got the newer version of the NIV on your device? It says another advocate. Uh, if you were reading the ESV, it would say another helper. And if you're <clears throat> old school and you love the King James, uh, it would say another comforter. How about that? Advocate, counsellor, helper, comforter. Why, why all these different translations? Why don't they all say the same thing? Uh, well, there is a reason for that. And that is that the original Greek word which John uses does not have um, an actual um, direct um, translation in English. It doesn't have an equivalent in English. Uh, the literal translation of what John says or what Jesus says there uh, is 
is that it is someone who is called to the side of another person. Called to the side of the other person. Now, originally this word comes from the um, legal profession. It comes from the, the courtroom. And it uh, it's often refers to the lawyer who would be sitting alongside uh, his client, the defendant. Uh, and that the lawyer who would speak uh, for the defendant in their place and so would therefore be their advocate. Uh, in fact, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, the exact same word is used to describe Jesus. And in that verse, uh, we are assured that if we sin, as Christians, if we sin, then we have an advocate who speaks to the Father in our defence, uh, that person being Jesus. It's the same, room, uh, the same word. But in a first century courtroom, uh, the word was not exactly restricted to the actual lawyer. Uh, it could apply to a friend, uh, a friend who alongside the legal team uh, would, um, would sit with, with the defendant to strengthen, uh, to counsel and to help the person who was at court. Uh, a bit like my friend asking what he asked me to do uh, here in Port Macquarie. So, an advocate, yes, that's what it means. A counsellor, yes, that's what it means. A helper, uh, yes, that's what it means. What about a comforter? Well, not in the sense of, you know, your chairs are nice and comfortable there um, because they've got nice padding. Uh, not that kind of uh, comforting. Uh, the word comfort has in it the word fort, doesn't it? And fort means strength, um, to strengthen. So it's only uh, can be a, a comforter to the extent, not that the person makes the person feel good in their bad circumstances, but the person gives them strength to get out of their bad circumstances. And so in that sense, counts uh, comforter, yes. So the person is speaking for us or speaks for the person who they're with and strengthens them. And this is the promise of Jesus, that he is going to ask the Father to provide another advocate, another counsellor, another helper. The word another implies that they've already got that person, doesn't it? That they've already got someone who uh, is their advocate, their, um, their helper, and uh, their counsellor. And that person, of course, is Jesus. But he's leaving them. And so another advocate, another counsellor would be sent. What would that advocate be like for them? Okay, let's have a look at the text in uh, verse 17, second part of verse 17. Uh, speaking of this advocate, it says that the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Which I take it that uh, they have seen this counsellor actually descend on Jesus um, at his baptism but now he's going to uh, live in them. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realise that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. There's a lot packed into that, isn't there? Um, But let's think about the word orphans. The word orphans is a very strong word. Um, I know some people who have, as children, have found themselves um, without any parents at all. And that's a terrible situation to be in. In a spiritual sense, the departure of Jesus uh, would be a little bit, could be a little bit like that for the disciples. But they will not be left as orphans. How can Jesus say that? Well, there's two issues he raises in this passage. First of all, he alludes to his resurrection. Before long, he says, the world will not see me, but you will. And because I live, and because I live, you also will live. Um, The world will not see me, but you will. What does he mean by that? Well, the disciples did see Jesus, didn't didn't they? After the resurrection. But the world didn't see Jesus after the resurrection. Now I want you to think about this. After the resurrection, did Jesus go and parade himself through the streets of Jerusalem? Now you'd think that might be a good thing to do. Um, Jerusalem would still have been crowded with people um, from the Passover uh, and the feast that followed after that. There would be many, many thousands of people in Jerusalem. The resurrected Jesus could have paraded himself. What a, he would have surely got more converts, we might think. But no, he only appeared to his followers, his disciples in the broader sense. Why was that? Well, because his departure would not mean that the kingdom work would stop. Far from it. Remember the promise in verse 16, I will ask the Father to give you another advocate to be with you. For how long? What does he say? Forever. Forever. And in verse 26... He will be sent in Jesus' name, which uh, is more than just that he will be a replacement for Jesus, uh, that he surely is, but that he will continue on the work that Jesus has been doing, that he will be Jesus' emissary, um, in a sense. Jesus is leaving, but this one, the spirit of truth, Elsewhere in the passage called the Holy Spirit is coming. The disciples would not be alone, which means that you and I won't be alone, that we're not alone. Now, we're going to learn more about the Holy Spirit in a couple of weeks' time when we get to chapter 16 of uh, John. But here in this passage... The concern which Jesus has is to assure his disciples that his departure would give them no reason, zero reason, to be troubled in heart 
or to be fearful. Have a look at what he continues saying in verse 25. All this I've spoken while still with you, but the advocate, or the counsellor, the friend, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. The world gives us plenty of anxiety and reasons not to be at peace. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Right? Now, have you ever wondered um, how the disciples could have possibly remembered everything that Jesus had taught them? You know, all the stuff that's written for us in, in the Gospels... Uh, in detail and accurately. Um, I can't remember some things that people have said to me last week, let alone, you know, three years ago. How, have you ever wondered that? Um, humanly speaking, they couldn't remember. They couldn't remember, but they couldn't even understand what Jesus had been talking to them about. They didn't get it. And yet, in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, there's a huge crowd gathered together. And before that crowd, Peter, uh, you know, who previously said he didn't even know Jesus, Peter fearlessly, truthfully, clearly, accurately proclaimed the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He explained the Old Testament scriptures and how they are fulfilled in what Christ had done. And then he called on people to repent and to find forgiveness in Jesus. How could he be so clear and so bold? It was because he wasn't alone. He had a friend, not just by his side, but dwelling within for just as Jesus had promised, the Father had sent the Holy Spirit. And not just to be by their side, but to dwell within them. Friends, Jesus has not left us alone. Um, if we are people who trust in Jesus, then it's not like we, you know, just we believe the gospel. And then we just stagger through life completely with zero um, experience of God and we're just hoping that or expecting that when we get to heaven then we will experience God for the first time. Um, no, it's not like that. If that were the case, we wouldn't even put our faith in Christ and we would certainly not persevere. No, God is with us now. Um, see what Jesus says in verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with them. See, there we see the connection between uh, love, obedience and God dwelling in us by his spirit. So, um, in what ways is the spirit another advocate or another counsellor for us? How does he help you and me? 
Well, uh, I want to just raise three points here um, before we wrap this up. Uh, how does he help us? Well, first of all, he changes our hearts and our minds. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it is only because we have the Spirit dwelling within us that we are able to understand and believe spiritual truths. Um, without the Holy Spirit in us, when you hear about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it's just a mystery, or you think it's nonsense, or you think it's foolishness. But with the Spirit, it is for us truth and life. That's the first thing. Secondly, in Galatians chapter 5, the Spirit changes our behaviour so that uh, uh, we no longer live for ourselves, but we live our lives in a way that brings honour to God. The Spirit sanctifies us so that we shed uh, our old behaviour and we start to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, self-control and so on. But here in John 14, the presence of the Spirit is like having that friend by our side. That friend who gives us assurance and strength. And as Jesus promises in verse 27, peace. I love those verses. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now, uh, in our lives... Uh, we will face many challenges which will um, confront us um, Christianly, uh, challenge us spiritually. And sometimes we're going to feel alone. I remember um, our son Andrew was in his very first week of his first year at university and he was sitting in the very first uh, class for the philosophy course that he was doing. Yes, Andrew studied philosophy at university. He was 16 years old and the first topic was arguments for the existence of God. And the lecturer started the lesson by saying, hands up anyone here in this room who's a Christian. And one hand goes up as he looks around. One hand goes up. Uh, it should have been called, the topic should have been um, uh, dismantling and criticising the arguments for the existence of God. He felt very alone. How about you? You sometimes felt alone spiritually. Uh, you might be the the only Christian in your workplace. You might be the only Christian uh, in your year at school. You might be the only Christian, uh, as I was for many years, in the whole of my you know, broader family. And sometimes you can feel alone, can't you? And it's tempting to, to go quiet about Jesus, to not say much about Jesus and even to compromise our behaviour or there'll be times when we're going to pass through some some dark tunnels in life 
Uh, it might be because of um, serious and chronic uh, sickness. Uh, it might be because of, of grief. It might be because of frustration and disappointment and depression. And there may be times when we're tempted to cry out and say, God, why have you forsaken me? Well, you know what? He's never forsaken us. In fact, Jesus was forsaken so that God would be with us, so that we would never be alone. Those kind of times can really test our faith. But even in the midst of temptation and in the midst of turmoil, that you and I, we can experience peace. That peace that Paul talks about in Philippians 4, which surpasses all understanding. We can resist Satan. We can stand firm for Christ because it's actually not by our strength. It's because we're never alone. He has given us his spirit to be with us always. Right, now we're going to pray. So let's just bow in prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for um, your wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we thank you that your spirit um, dwells within us and that uh, through his presence uh, we can be changed. But more than that, in this passage, Father God, that uh, we can stand firm for you. We can persevere uh, till that day uh, when we come into the fullness of of our experience with you in heaven. Father, we pray that um, in these times of trials and temptations that we would know that, that we're not alone and that we would stand firm for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.